today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Payoneer really found a way to be able to come and play on both sides of a market. And when you're able to be on both sides of a two-sided market, like a Visa or a MasterCard is with the acquirer and a processor side, right? Mm -hmm. The issuer side, the, the Payoneer was able to do the same. We have a huge business having to do with large enterprises uh, like the Airbnbs, the Walmarts of the world. And then we have a equally big business dealing directly with the SMBs. And so the ability to, to be in a position where you're on both sides of the marketplace, which allows you in some ways to go back to my DE Shaw days to be a bit of a market maker in the middle as well, uh, mm. creates a, a tremendous opportunity and, and was really attractive to me as a, as a place to head out. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller, editor at Tearsheet. There's still significant friction dealing with international transactions. Payoneer is a pioneer in the space of helping people and businesses transact across currencies. Charles Rosenblatt is the firm's new chief strategy officer. An executive with decades of experience in payments and financial services, Rosenblatt joins us on the podcast to talk about his new role and how Payoneer is positioned for future growth. He describes how the firm's value proposition is differentiated from the competition and how sitting on both sides of the transaction can propel future opportunities for the payments firm. Charles Rosenblatt is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. What could you do with better real-time consumer data? All data aggregation from Fiserv enables access to consumer permission data from over 18,000 sources. Lenders, advisors, fintech firms, and financial institutions can turn this data into actionable insight for their customers. Go to fiserv.com slash all data to learn more. Before we hop into our show, I wanted to tell you about Tearsheet's upcoming Challengers Conference. A first-of-its-kind event, this two-day online conference is everything about digital banking. We'll have senior executives from top challenger banks like N26, Revolut, Oak North, and Betterment, as well as new entrants to the digital banking market like Intuit and Credit Sesame. It's all happening September 22nd and 24th. Go to Tearsheet.co and click on Conferences at the top to learn more and register. My name is Charles Rosenblatt. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Payoneer. Um, as Chief Strategy Officer has different, different meanings at different companies. Uh, here, I am responsible for our cross-organizational strategy, uh, the corporate strategic partnerships and acquisitions, and a lot of the cross-organizational resource allocation. Uh, I've been in the payments industry in both the card industry as well as the disbursements industry and, and, and such for approximately 20 years now. Great. And thanks for joining us today, Charles. Can you tell, before we jump into the new role at Payoneer and, and catch up with where, what the company is, is doing now, um, I'd love to dig a little bit more into your background. You mentioned, you know, a, a distinguished career um, across payments. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what your background entailed and how you got to this role? Sure, sure. I, I started out in the hedge fund world at a firm called DE Shaw, where we did sure. statistical arbitrage. Uh, so a little bit of a different uh, background. Uh, although somewhat coming full circle in, in payments. Uh, I then went into the credit card world where I worked at both Capital One and Washington Mutual, uh, running multiple groups from the product group to running our partnerships and co-brands, as well as the association relationship with folks like Visa and MasterCard. And as the 2008 implosion came around with, with WAMU's uh, takeover by Chase, I decided to sort of leave that realm of the world um, and spent the next five years or so consulting for large loyalty companies and 
uh, large financial institutions like a Citibank, a Deluxe, a Cardtronics, and folks along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, until about 2006, when I got involved with a company called HyperWallet uh, in the disbursement space. Uh, I was the chief customer officer at HyperWallet and then left there to start to be part of a team to start a new company called Velo Payments, uh, which was led by John Partridge, who's the former uh, COO and president at Visa. Uh, mm. I spent approximately three years there and, and I've known Scott Gallat, our CEO, for a long time. And uh, we spoke about opportunities earlier this year at Payoneer as Payoneer was looking to uh, expand and grow as it has been over the last five years. Uh, it's been a company, it, being in the disbursement space, it's always been a company that, that you sort of looked up to uh, as a whole. And the opportunity to come in and join the team here during this phase of growth was really exciting. And thus, I made the move. So I want to hear a little bit more about that decision. So given your background, given your experiences, given your talents, um, what was it about Payoneer that um, convinced you to make the jump? I assume, you know, benchmark against other offers, other opportunities out there. What, what was it specific about this one? Yeah. Um, you know, in, in general, it, it's funny. I worked for a firm during, during a piece of that middle period where it was really talking about two-sided markets and the importance of two-sided markets. And there are, few, there are many places like Hyperwall, the world, who work on one side of the market. Payoneer really found a way to be able to come and play on both sides of a market. And when you're able to be on both sides of a two-sided market, like a Visa or a MasterCard is with the acquirer and a processor side, right? Mm-hmm. The issuer side, the, the Payoneer was able to do the same. We have a huge business having to do with large enterprises uh, like the Airbnbs, the Walmarts of the world. And then we have a equally big business dealing directly with the SMBs. And so the ability to, to be in a position where you're on both sides of the marketplace which allows you in some ways to go back to my DE Shaw days to be a bit of a market maker in the middle as well, mm-hmm. uh, creates a, a tremendous opportunity and, and was really attractive to me as a, as a place to head out. Got it. And, and in your introduction uh, to the role, um, you talked a little bit about what, um, you know, what the chief strategy officer role entails. Can we talk about some of the priorities you have in this role as you stepped in? Sure. So, um, you know, as a company that's growing tremendously, both from a core business perspective and from a product perspective, and we've added two new products over the last few years, uh, one of which is our uh, working capital product, which is, is lending money to the um, providing buyer financing, essentially, uh, for the buyers and helping them grow their businesses, as well as our merchant services uh, business, which is sort of our first foray into the acquiring side of the world. Uh, there was a need for someone organic or organizationally to essentially look over how all of that's going to interact with each other. And so sort of the first of my tasks is more an inward facing role, really to look and figure out internally how we can make sure that the machine is working well together, that the new businesses are integrating well into the old businesses, and we have a absolutely great value proposition for our customers across the board. And now a word from our sponsor. At Tearsheet's day-to-day conference, Fiserv's Paul Diegelman drilled down into the future of personal financial management. 
Paul, you're talking about PFM 2.0. It's actually two separate and distinct applications. Liquidity is a huge problem right now. Just People just don't have time to do things twice. Basically, most parts of the country shut down for COVID. Our PFM user growth was over 20% in the first two weeks alone. Underrated 100%. How could we use AI to impact PFM? I'm up for anything that helps people. And to help people, you need an economic model. To access the full video from Paul's talk, go to tearsheet.co slash speed of life. That makes a lot of sense. And, and when you say the new business is working well with the old businesses, does that entail something more than product? Does that entail go-to-market strategies? Does that entail resource allocation? Um, how yeah. far does that extend? So, you know, from my perspective, my goal is to help be a capacity expander for the great leaders that we have within each of those areas and help them look at things and see things that perhaps they may not see because they're running very successful products and or businesses, right? And so, uh, you know, while I won't take a direct role in figuring out how they allocate the resource between each other uh, in order to solve it, I, I may, as an example with a, a partnership we're working at right now, say, look, there are three different areas where this partnership makes sense. We don't need to run it out of one group rather than the other, which is what we've been doing historically. Let's take a more holistic look and make sure we're, we are, you know, both for our partner, our clients, our customers, and internally, uh, we can provide the highest value add out of this rather than just, you know, servicing one distinct business unit or product line. That makes a lot of sense. I, I guess one thing you said as you were saying that, um, is this the first, are you the first chief strategy officer at Payoneer? Is that a new position they created for you? You know, that's a good question. I believe that is the case, right? So I, I believe what, um, you know, I'm not sure uh, whether there's been one in the past. I know there hasn't been one in the last 10 years while Scott has been mm -hmm. uh, running the company. Um, and so, yes, some of, some of this role is sort of, to be fair, figuring it out as we go and figuring sure. out what we need. Um, and, and, and to tell you the truth, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I don't think I've taken a role personally in the last 15 years where there hasn't been a piece of it that is open to figure out what the organization needs and how we can best utilize myself, the team I build, et cetera, as opposed to just saying, you know, here are the four things you're trying to check the box off. I, I don't think you can do that at a, um, at a, at a mid-sized company. Yeah, it also sounds like you enjoy a challenge. Um, what does that say, uh, I guess, whether, whether this is a new role or it's one that hasn't been filled in 10 years, what does that say about Payoneer as a company and, and where they are in, the, in, in where you are in the, in the maturation cycle? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we are very excited, right? I mean, it, it, it's an exciting time overall for us because we basically have built a really, really nice business on a core basis of clients overall. And part of it, part of what you want to do with those clients is really grow your utility to those clients, right? And as you grow your utility to those clients, uh, essentially you need to bring in different folks with different skill sets. And I think we've done that. We, we brought in a gentleman, um, Yoel, who runs our working capital group, who you know, predates me coming in because I've only been here three months. But you know, he has immense expertise in lending, in um, finance, coming from um, you know, a great background there. And I think you need to bring in folks who can help the core business 
with sort of subject matter expertise. And I think part of what Scott was viewing and the company was viewing is as we continue to grow into financial services, we have great talent internally, but it would be helpful to have someone who has 20 years experience in financial services and payments to come in and, and add some subject matter expertise and expertise on that realm uh, for the company. Got it. So I think it's a good time now to talk about the core business, um, what it looks like where you guys are, um, with particular focus on sort of how you're positioned vis-a-vis competition. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier was much of the competition we, are, we have is part one side of the two-sided market, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you think about where we are versus competition, we actually have, we provide value to everyone in the value chain here from the, from the marketplaces to the sellers. And we, could, we actually, through our B2B business, which is, a, which is one of our, our largest growing businesses internally, we actually provide help to sellers working with other sellers that are even just in this marketplace ecosystem. And so, you know, coming from one of the competitors, now granted I was there a while ago at, at, at HyperWallet, right? HyperWallet has a fantastic business but it is focused solely on one of those um, legs, of the, legs of the stool, right? Um, we see other folks like the TransferWise's, like the AirWallets, like the um, LandLandPay um, and others who, who come up in general, mm-hmm. but at least from what I've seen, which is, you know, again, three months in, when we want to go out and get a business, we are, we feel like we have the best equipped product in order to do that. And thus we win a fair proportion of the quote unquote RFPs that, that, that we're part of. So that, that's something I, I think the company historically should be proud of and, and hopefully we'll continue to do that and partner with folks on that in the future. Do you see competition coming? So you mentioned AirWallets and TransferWise, like do you see competition maybe emerging from other areas like a Stripe or something like that? Yeah, it's a, so Stripe's a very interesting company. Stripe's a company that, that, that I know well, and I know some of the folks there well, and they've done an amazing job um, on the acquiring side, basically with a developer-first solution that you, know, you can get up and running in five minutes from the mm-hmm. acquiring side, right? For them, the disbursement side of the equation, I would argue is a secondary piece of it. So it's, it's a piece that's important that they're offering, but they haven't built their ecosystem around doing that. Payoneer is built around the ecosystem of payouts for, for, for merchants and, and, and corporates and pay-ins for the SMBs of the world overall. Audia, I mean, Audia and Stripe for that matter, are built around the pay-ins for the corporate and the rest of the services they offer are sort of secondary to that. Um, so in some ways, if, if, if and when we move into the acquiring space, there will be a level of competition, but I don't view them as the primary competition other than some of our clients use them on the acquiring side and thus through that service also use them for some of the services that we provide. Got it. And we, we've had the heads of disbursement um, 
uh, from MasterCard and Visa on the podcast over the past year. How, how do you view the, the card networks in this whole sort of? That's a very, interesting, very yeah. interesting question, right? And we work closely with um, MasterCard and, and Visa on disbursements as a whole. Mm -hmm. We believe that they are very well positioned with the acquisitions they've made um, with uh, TransPay and Earthport, Earthport. Uh, to, to play in this market. They have grown their Visa Direct, MasterCard Send. To those, those are channel plays, um, more or less. There are, there's no reason why we couldn't actually create partnerships with them in some of the areas that they may have a product that would help with us. I mean, just mm -hmm. to give you an idea on Payoneer, we have over 140 countries around the globe where we have two or more payout relationships or way for folks to pay out and a hundred, over a hundred countries globally where we have more than three. There's no reason wow. why more than three couldn't include, uh, you know, Visa and MasterCard's offerings to be a piece of that to help facilitate our transactions. Um, again, the one thing about MasterCard and Visa is MasterCard and Visa historically, and I say historically, because I think this is important, weren't ever really owners of the customer as, as part of, you know, issuers. And when I was at Capital One and at Washington Mutual slash Chase before that, right, you know, the whole thing was we own the customer and MasterCard and Visa provided the rails, right? I think unless they are going to take a, a complete overhaul to their philosophy, they're going to continue to own the rails. Makes and we sense. are absolutely happy to work with a partner with anyone who can help provide rails in a more cost-efficient way for our, for our end customers overall at Payoneer. That makes a lot of sense. So can we drill a little bit further into Payoneer and some of the, some of the trends that you're seeing in the business? Can you speak sure. to some of that? Absolutely. So one of the biggest trends that we're seeing has come out of this, this COVID period, right? Which has been the dr dramatic shift into the world of e-commerce, mm -hmm. right? And we have seen volumes, while as you know, we're a privately held company, I can't share the numbers, but we have seen the volumes from the e-commerce business grow tremendously during this period. And it is our belief that there, there, there will be no downtick from that, right? Uh, when, when this all ends, may it be two months, may it be 12 months, who knows? Uh, we, don't, we don't actually see um, you know, people stopping their new, newly formed behavior of shopping online and getting their Amazon Prime uh, drop-off in a day, as opposed to heading out to the stores, which is, is sad for the retail mm -hmm. market, uh, but really good for us and the customer as, as we are the leader in sort of facilitating e-commerce marketplaces throughout the globe. Um, the other thing we're seeing and we'll continue to see is we, we have a heavy presence in the travel space. Uh, that clearly got hit hard. But what I'd say is I think that we believe, I will say that we believe, I won't even think that we believe, that that, that will come back, right? The moment that any good news come out comes out around the COVID um, items, essentially we begin to see an uptick in, in the travel space overall. I can't imagine there's not so much pent up demand for travel at this point. That, that, that's exactly right. And so you know, one could argue the trend, you know, if you look at our trend lines, if you look at the volume in that industry, it's dropped a ton, but we firmly believe that that's going to bounce back and at, at the very least get to where it was previously. I don't think travel is going to stop. And so 
The combination of the two, when you talk about Payoneer, what's really exciting is, you know, if the travel business goes back to what it was previously, but this e-commerce bounces where it was, mm. that has a direct effect on the volume we put through our system and the revenue we grow as a company um, because we are facilitating so much of that uh, transaction marketplace. Mm, interesting. So in the remaining time we have, can we look a little to the future? I know uh, you are a private company. I'm not looking for financial uh, projections here, but um, what does the, you know, three months into your role, what does the future look like for Payoneer? And I'm looking for anything from, from product rollouts to, you know, further partnerships to just digging down, doing what you're doing, you know, better, deeper. Yeah. I, I mean, again, so, so we're, I think what we are very excited about is, is a few things. One, um, we are a global company as it is. Um, our, we, we feel very strongly um, about our customer, about our employee base and keeping that global. And I think what we've seen is this global model um, will continue to grow and will, it's allowing us to sort of even disaggregate some of our hiring as, as you probably know or, or, or may have heard, we are, we are adding a lot of folks year over year. Um, we have a hiring plan which you know, has us growing in double digit percentages um, even by the end of the year if, if we can find the right people. Um, and so I'd, I'd welcome your listener base if they think they're the right people, let, feel free to reach out. Um, but you know, we, we're, but we're not constrained. We, re, we used to kind of think we constrained, you have to be near an office, you have to be this. And even as evidenced by myself coming into this role, I, I re, relocated to the state of Virginia um, and our main office is in New York. And that's, that's not really a, a huge deal overall in helping to, to work and run, run the company. So, so that's an internal way of looking that we're excited. Externally, we're, very excited about some of the new business lines that, that we've launched and the acquisition that we did last year. So we did an acquisition of a company called Optile. Uh, it was our first venture into the um, merchant services space. Um, we are working on evolving that product to work for both our enterprises and our small businesses. And that will give us sort of an eye into what, what may potentially go down the path of you know becoming more and more ingrained into the acquiring side of of the world either as a partner or potentially a competitor uh down the road um internally what we're also seeing is huge desire and volume for the seller ecosystem within the marketplace and the supply chains within the marketplace to work with each other and help with each other and find better ways to pay within each other and that's, that's sort of an exciting line of business, right? We, we have these huge sellers from, you know, an Amazon or a Walmart or whoever it may be who come on, well, they have a whole supply chain to deal with. And what we're finding is our outside products and even some of our inside, you know, our, our new products as well as some of our existing products, like the VAT services, the pay, you know, pay with pay and ear features, et cetera, are all becoming you know, they're growing tremendously because of the value we're adding and helping to add to let, let these small businesses actually grow. Well, it sounds like a very exciting uh, future ahead for Payoneer. Charles, thank you very much for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thanks a lot.